From Studio B, the radio studio in the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, this is The Hot Seat, and you're with me, Max Schwartz. It starts right now. Today, on the phone, I have the California Public Utilities Commission President, Michael Picker. How are you, President Picker? Thank you very much for calling to The Hot Seat today. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Happy to have you on the line. We've been waiting to talk to you for a, a long time. And, and we've got lots of important questions and not a lot of time. So without further ado, let's get started. Southern California Edison has had many recent problems in the city of Long Beach that have led to the loss of power. The city of Long Beach bills Edison, and Congressman Alan Lowenthal says this falls into the CPUC's jurisdiction. What has the CPUC done about SoCal Edison's recent literal and figurative failures? Well, I think that, that Congressmember Lowenthal is correct. It does fall into our jurisdiction. We've been tracking it from, from day one. And uh, our staff and the, the safety and enforcement division, who have responsibilities in both electric reliability and electric safety, have have been carrying out an investigation. They should conclude the investigation within a few more weeks. But it's up to them to decide whether they will proceed under the, the our citation program which means that they would draft a citation and, and our legal division would issue it. And it's a faster way of getting to resolution and ordering both changes but also fixing a penalty. Or if they feel that it's a large enough issue and they think that it's larger than simply this one portion of the, the Southern California Edison grid, then they may come back to us asking for for a order instituting an investigation, an OII, that would actually go deeper and would be, in a, a rather than an administrative uh, action, would be a adjudicative action. So if I'm understanding you correctly, nothing will happen until the investigation division completes its report. Well, SCE has taken action. They're, we've ascertained that there's no immediate hazard to people's life or limb. But the larger question of what their responsibilities are to maintain reliability and service, uh, I think that that's the subject of the investigation. Exactly what the root causes are, what needs to be done to fix it, but importantly, what needs to happen to prevent it, and whether there are penalties attached to that. And so there's nothing that you can do or your colleagues in the upper echelon of the commission can do until this is completed. I think it would be dumb for us to do something before we knew what the problem was. Okay. And is what are I guess I guess it would depend but what would the likely what would you let me rephrase that. What would you like the consequences for Southern California Edison to be? And do you believe that their self-imposed reforms are adequate enough? Sorry, I'm, I'm a little confused here. Their self-imposed reforms well, yes, because SoCal Edison has claimed that they've fixed the problem, and they're going about working on, I guess, they're, investi they're working on their own investigation to see what's wrong with their grid. Are you adequate with the measures they've taken themselves? I, because we haven't released the, the findings of our investigation, and because I may find myself in an adjudicative setting, actually, where I am a, perhaps a judge trying to collect, assess the evidence, and, and, and both order corrective actions and some kind of a penalty, I don't think it would be fair for me to say. Okay. 
And so, and you also then are uncomfortable, which I completely understand, giving your opinion as to what you think the consequences for SoCal Edison should be? It would be a violation of our rules, and a party to the proceeding could potentially have me disbarred from the proceedings because I had a pre, I had stated a pre-existing uh, position. I can tell you generally the kinds of things that we can do. I can tell you what has happened so far that is that is public. But I, there is, again, because we're a deliberative body on one hand, but we're also a adjudicatory uh, body on another hand, both both cases we stand in as a technical court. As you're probably aware, judges do not express an opinion or take a position on, on what, what will happen at the end of the case till they've heard the evidence and, and considered the law. And we're sort of in that same position. It's why we're slow. We are a, a by by design and by constitutional mandate here in the state of California, a deliberative body. That means we have to collect the evidence, we have to build the record, we have to make our decision based on that record. Here, part of that record is really starting to understand what are the root causes. And so in some cases that can be technical investigations, in other cases it can be a administrative investigation where we look at who did who made decisions? Did they go out on a regular enough basis? Did they actually ignore findings of their own inspections? So, again, until the evidence is in, until the, the investigators have decided whether they're going to take an administrative course of action or they're going to take an adjudicatory state of case, case of action, it's really improper for me to, to speak more. I understand, but I, I thought I'd try. Yeah. So, in terms of what's Ha what's happened in case the public, the listening audience, does not know, what has happened thus far? Well, so um, it, the, it, there were a series of outages that were related to SCE's underground system in the dense pop, uh, uh, densely urban portions of, of Long Beach. Most people are pretty familiar with those neighborhood transmission lines and phone lines, sometimes on the same pole that you can see going down alleyways or down the streets and along arterials. Here in, in Long Beach, the city uh, required undergrounding of the, the grid, and so it's in, usually in vaults. Some of those vaults apparently experienced problems, and not only did they take out their block, but somehow or another they uh, they caused outages in other parts of the city. Why that happened, uh, what we should do about it, is, is, is still yet to be revealed to me. I, I suspect the staff is preparing their report. Like I said, they'll make a decision about do they pursue administrative uh, uh, remedies or do they, they ask for a full judicial remedy. In terms of what actually happens in the final decision, is that up to you? It's up to the commission. That's all five commissioners vote together. Usually we have a assigned commissioner and frequently a presiding judge. The judge is an administrative law judge who helps to collect the record. Any given time, a commissioner has 80 different proceedings. So trying to make all the evidentiary hearings and 80, 80 different proceedings all at the same time means that no one person can do it. So we rely pretty heavily on our our core group of 40 law judges who will, will actually run the hearings, collect the evidence, and then pull it together into a, a document that the full commission can then vote on. That'll take the form of what we call a proposed decision. Sometimes the presiding 
judge and the assigned commissioner don't arrive at the same place at the same time. So you'll get a uh, proposed uh, decision and, a, and a, an alternate decision. And, uh, and then the commissioners parse the evidence and decide which of those two proposals actually fits the case best. Okay. Are you allowed to give, I guess if we keep it in broader context, are, are you allowed to answer broader questions about government-held monopolies? Generally, yeah. Okay. The extent that we regulate them, there are monopolies that we don't touch. Yeah, but given that this is the California Public Utilities Commission and you sort of have oversight and regulatory jurisdiction over these utilities, I think that it would some. be some. Yeah. I think it would be worth it for the yeah. listening audience to get an opinion or your thoughts on this. So given what's happened to SoCal Edison, and this isn't alone to SoCal Edison, LADWT, LADWP has their own problems as well. Should, do you believe municipal monopolies should be subject to greater scrutiny and or held to a higher standard that companies, than companies that do not have monopolies? Well, obviously they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be under the jurisdiction of the California Public Utilities Commission. Okay. In terms of, though, in, in terms of quality of service or, I guess, the, the infrastructure, because a lot of people would argue that SoCal Edison shouldn't have had so many problems over the summer with the same system and would, would then argue that there's... I think they're absolutely correct. They shouldn't have had those, those problems. Do you think that the CPUC should give greater oversight to these government-issued monopolies? We do. No, even more than you're doing now? Um, hard to say. I mean, clearly there's a problem in the Long Beach. There are large portions of the SCE's system that aren't experiencing those problems. So until we have that root cause analysis, I, I'll, I'll just hold off on saying. I, I, all I can tell you is that there are a variety of monopolies in the state that the PUC does not regulate. So, for example, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power is the sole provider of electricity in its service area. They're the sole providers of, of drinking water and, and municipal water services in the area. But they don't. we don't regulate them. They are regulated by the, the board of directors of the LADWP, which is selected by the mayor of, of Los Angeles. So it, it, we all have somewhat similar standards, and we all try to match the best practices, whether it's a publicly owned utility, which is not regulated, or it's a, it's a privately owned regulated utility. Uh, a, a good example would be that the federal government has required every utility that has a pole to, to actually operate that as a public right-of-way. And that means that if you're LADWP or you are uh, Southern California Edison, you have to allow telecommunications providers to attach their lines to that same pole. Now, there's safety issues there. There are the same safety issues whether that wooden pole is owned by LADWP or that wooden pole is owned by um, Southern California Edison. And everybody really uh, pretty much follows the same standards because, A, insurers require it, and, B, it's the best that we can, we can come to as a floor for safety that everybody should at least respect. You may be able to go further than that in various places. You may be able to do that in large parts of your system. But we know that that's the floor. And the, 
private uh, utilities that are regulated by the PUC and those munis all obey those same safety standards. Okay. And moving on now to water, because I know that the CPUC does have some oversight over water utilities. Am I right in that? Some. Some. So, and even even though these may not be the scope, I still think it's important to ask these questions. Sure. We are, everyone has been warning that we have an impending El Nino. Do you think water, and we have an El Nino coming, and we're currently in a drought. El Nino will come after the drought question. But because we're in a drought, do you think water companies should be fined for wasting water? Most of the regulated utilities, and I'll be honest that I know a bit more about them than I know about most of the publicly owned water utilities. So, for example, LADWP, or here in Sacramento, the city of Sacramento is the is the water provider. They're also all monopolies. It doesn't make sense to have two competing water lines going down underneath the sidewalk and people picking and choosing as they move in and out which line they want to be hooked up to. Uh, but... But the, the, the regulated water utilities responded fairly quickly and fairly well to the drought. Now, there are some limits. I'll be very honest with you. The, the 80% of water in California is used by agriculture. The, 20%, uh, the other 20% is shared between industrial, uh, commercial, and residential users. Out of that 20%, only 20% are actually by private regulated water companies. So about 5% of all um, municipal water use, all water use in California is in the hands of, uh, of these regulated utilities. So they, they are not going to move the needle too much in terms of pricing of water. They're not going to move the needle too much in terms of new technologies simply because they can afford what they can afford. They're not going to they're not going to get to a scale that will actually force the price down with just 5% of the market. On the other hand, they have responded fairly well to to the drought. Most of the regulated water utilities have have done pretty well in terms of meeting the governor's 25% reduction goals. The there there are challenges that all water utilities will face, particularly um, those who depend on surface waters. Mm-hmm. Cost of surface water is going to go up. Most of the small regulated utilities, additionally, are so small that they can't put together the scale that say uh, LADWP or. You're not answering the question. Are you getting to the answer of my question? I, I did. I said that they've done fairly well. They all met the 25% goal. That's not what I asked. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood you then. Do you think water companies should be fined for wasting water? Sure. Okay. But we're not finding too many of our water agencies doing that. The most wa- waste that I've seen is actually not by water agencies, but it's by municipal water users who water medians. Okay. Well, I, I know the, a big part of the waste... So that's, why, that's why I'm having a hard time understanding your question. Well, wasting water, because I know that people... a lot of There's a lot of water wasted when there's a... Yeah, what, but the, the water companies we regulate don't seem to be wasting. Okay. So it, And it doesn't seem that they are the source of the waste. It's their users. Okay. Uh, so so, so that's, what I, that's why it, it's kind of hard to answer your question. Okay, I understand, but I just wanted to see whether what your thought was on that. But I do think that there's a bigger challenge here. Yeah. 
I agree. And 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 it's we've got a, a really balkanized water system where it's going to be increasingly harder for smaller water companies to really move the dial in a big way. And that's what we got to do. How do you think we should go about doing that? Well, I I'm I I'm not an expert in water law. All I I'm 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 still learning how you regulate private water utilities. And so that's the challenge is that these guys are not going to drive the 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 pace. They're going to follow. They don't have the market scale to bring new technologies to scale. Okay. And in terms of new technologies, and I know that there's been a lot of talk about that because of the El Nino and are these water companies prepared to handle any all the rainwater that we're going to get so it's not wasted? Do you- they are they're absolutely not going to be because most of them don't own, own large impoundments. Those are really in the hands of the state and federal agencies, the Department of Water Resources, who has large dams, and the... Uh, and the Bureau of Reclamation. There are some electric utilities who have fairly large impoundments who also sell water. Uh, PG&E is probably the best example, but there's also a bunch of public utilities like uh, LADWP. So these small utilities tend to buy water from larger um, uh, water entities like the Metropolitan Water District, or they have groundwater. And groundwater recharge is something that can take anywhere from 150 years to to 30,000 years. So I don't know that they are really going to be able to to solve problems. I think that they are going to be embedded in this larger water policy infrastructure. Would you like to see the legislature give more help to these smaller water agencies to help them advance quicker? I think that there's a problem at the very smallest. I mean, we we grade... uh, the water utilities that we regulate on the size from A to, to, to D. And the D-sized utilities are frequently small, uh, privately owned entities that serve 50 families in, 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 in rural portions of the state. They have absolutely no capacity to build infrastructure they need as their water sources go away or as they overflow. They're mostly dealing with one or two springs in some remote valley or in or maybe pumping groundwater from an aquifer in the central valley that's being depleted by their neighbors so they are they're really stuck we we try to actually uh find ways that other larger companies who have a larger economic base buy them up and actually help them to build that infrastructure uh, so I do think there's a real role for the legislature to create some tools for, for water e- e- utilities who operate at that scale, whether they're publicly owned or privately owned. This is the, also a problem for a lot of the small public districts in the same places. Um, I think that the, the larger questions of how we actually set policy and standards for all utilities and for the big water purveyors, um, that's... You know, I, I will be. I will confess that I am not. I'm not expert enough to really speak to that. It takes a lifetime to really understand water policy and water law in California. Oh, absolutely, especially as we get into heritage rights and yeah. rivers and things like that. But thank you very much for that, and thank you very much for joining me in the hot seat today, President Picker. It was a pleasure. The hot seat after hours starts right now. You can email the hot seat inbox at the hot seat with Max Schwartz at gmail.com, or you can tweet me at Max Schwartz TV. You can subscribe to the Hot Seats newsletter by clicking on the link on our page. Go to annenbergradio.org slash podcast and click on the link underneath the Hot Seats description and enter your email address. From Studio B in the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, I want to say thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time. Good day.